It's that time again. It's ASGCA Insights, the official podcast of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. And now, from our studios in beautiful Brookfield, Wisconsin, it's your host, Mark Whitney. Welcome to ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. Joining me today is Henry Walmeyer, the President and Chief Executive Officer of the National Club Association. Over the past five years, Henry has led the organization and spearheaded an increase in advocacy and growth initiatives that have increased the club association's presence on Capitol Hill and within the private club community. This has included serving as an advocate on behalf of clubs on issues like the Environmental Protection Agency's WOTUS rules, healthcare reform, worker classification, and H-2B visa programs. Henry, good afternoon and welcome to the program. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Thank you so much. What a uh, great introduction. I appreciate that. Um, I think you left out the line that said I'm a Villanova graduate, but uh, that's all right. As, as, a, as a Marquette graduate, I can uh, see why you did that. You know, as a, and as a Marquette grad, Henry, I'd like to remind you that Villanova is a fine school for kids that can't get into Marquette. So. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But you, you have definitely had the, had the better of, of, of play on the basketball court, which is why I came to ask you about the NCA and not the NCAA. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I, I want to begin our discussion today uh, talking about communication. I, I know that part of your charge with the National Club Association is to provide information to help clubs achieve greater success. And over the past several months, the National Club Association, I think, has been as active as any organization out there in hosting online webinars and other open forums, both for members and non-members alike, that are helping to provide information. So my question, Henry, to start off is, what were the conversations like in early March in your office when everything started to change and how was it decided that NCA would be so proactive in hosting these online events? Uh, great question, Mark. I appreciate that. And um, actually, we're going to have to take a little step back. Uh, it started in February. Uh, we had received a, a couple of inquiries from some of our members in, in different parts of the country um, you know, as this was starting to percolate, wondering you know, what they could do in terms of um, restricting guests or certain types of members or other things coming into their club. So we, I think around uh, the end of February, uh, published our first article uh, on, you know, uh, you know, what would be some specific, you know, practices that clubs could use uh, to mitigate the risk of COVID-19 and, you know, how could, you know, members address this and, and how could they address it with their staffs. And so that was sort of the, the, the start of it was, was in late February. And then we continued to do it, uh, you know, as Mark started. Uh, but then we had a couple members reach out to us and just said, hey, we need a lot more information. We really need to get out in front of this stuff. And so that's where we sat down as a team and said, okay, what can we do that is going to be different, uh, that's going to be uh, uh, informative, that's really going to be able to provide uh, resources and, and services and information to our members. And so, um, you know, we sat down and, and devised a plan to say, okay, well, let's start doing, you know, what we uh, are now uh, is our uh, coronavirus uh, town hall webinar series, um, which has been very successful. Um, and we, I think it was on a, uh, a Thursday or a Friday, we said, okay, we need to start doing these. We did our first one scheduled for uh, Monday. 
so only three or four days uh, notice, um, you know, and we, we promoted it and the reaction was tremendous. We had over 2000 people who were on this webinar. Over the weekend, we saw the numbers keep going up and up and up who'd register for this. And just to give you a little context, our normal webinars that we do on a monthly basis would average about, um, you know, 40 to 50 uh, participants. And for us to see more than 2000, we were just floored. But I think it speaks more to the appetite that uh, people have for uh, information, um, you know, on this, you know, especially at the time. And we also did a strategic thing where we didn't limit it to our members. We offered it to the entire club community, the entire golfing community, to everybody. Uh, anybody who wanted to participate on the webinars, they were able to. Um, and so that's sort of where we got our start. And when we saw those numbers come in and that participation that was on that webinar and we had scheduled the webinar for, you know, for an hour, ended up going a full two hours. Um, we realized that, okay, this is what we need to do and what we need to focus on is really providing timely, pertinent uh, information, uh, you know, to our clubs so that they can ideally be ahead of, of everything that's happening. And can you share some examples of, of some of the topics that you've covered and, you know, whether it, obviously it's not simply golf related, but just across the board, what's what are some of the breadth of areas that, that you've talked about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we started with that general, you know, coronavirus town hall um, and, you know, where we had consultants on there, where we had safety experts. We even had an epidemiologist on there. Uh, we had Joe Trager, who's our VP of government relations on there. Uh, you know, talking about uh, the government's uh, government, uh, response to this. So we, the very first one covered, you know, a, a wide breadth of, uh, of topics and areas. And so from there, we started to narrow it down. Said, okay, let's now drill down to more specific topics. You know, and those included, you know, legal ramifications of, uh, of COVID and, and how it could impact your club. Um, you know, we had seen that clubs had started to close, you know, and so what did that mean for the club and for the employees and for the members? You know, how could they do that? Um, you know, how and then how can, you know, the club bring their, you know, the club to the members, you know, after they had been closed? Um, you know, because uh, after a couple of weeks, we saw more and more clubs that were closing. And so we we did a webinar on, um, you know, engagement, uh, virtual engagement or other types of engagement when uh, members could not come to the club. You know, we also looked at accounting issues. Uh, again, we looked at a lot of government relations issues as clubs were uh, applying or trying to uh, apply for loans and, uh, you know, from the government and some of their relief packages and what clubs were, were eligible for. Uh, we had a great one talking about, um, you know, how clubs should continue, what they're uh, planning now. And, uh, you know, we're happy to have the um, architects, um, you know, on that and, and present, with that as, present with us as well, um, you know, to, to tell clubs, hey, this is what's, you know, what we're seeing out there. And, uh, and what you should still be doing, uh, either you know, currently at your, you know, on your course, or uh, if you've got plans, you know, down the line, um, you know, we looked at also, you know, how to, uh, you know, try to, you know, encourage people during this time, uh, whether it's staff or the members, uh, and so a lot of different topics that uh, that we really covered that more that all drilled down from that very first, uh, you know, general town hall webinar that we did. My guest is Henry Walmeyer from the National Club Association. So it's been high in volume, uh, exceedingly well attended, especially there off the top. Uh, but in in general terms, what's the feedback been been like from the members? What are you what are you hearing back from them? Um, it, it's been wonderful. Um, I think they you know were starving for that information. Like I said, they didn't know where to turn. Um, I think with uh, with all of us, 
including myself. Uh, when I was uh, <laughs> when I was at CEO school, I happened to skip the day that they covered coronavirus and what you should do. So yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I think uh, you know, everybody was just sort of, I don't want to say lost, but they were looking for guidance because they'd never done this before. It wasn't your typical normal, you know, economic, uh, you know, downturn, uh, which, you know, is much, much slower in process. It wasn't, you know, a typical, hey, we need to shut down, you know, the club for maybe one day or two days because of some event that's happening or whatever. It's something that, you know, the clubs had never experienced and, and really didn't know what to do. And they could try to, you know, take some, um, you know, lessons and some uh, policies and procedures that they had in place for, you know, for some other things, um, you know, and, and try to put, you know, uh, act on those in this, but they just really didn't know what they should be doing. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, uh, we didn't either, but we have such a great uh, network within our association, uh, not, in, not only in our member clubs, but also in our associate members. Uh, you know, these are the companies that provide goods and services, uh, you know, to the private club industry who were uh, more than willing to come and, and work with us and say, hey, let's put some stuff together to get it out to the industry. Um, so I think that's just where, um, you know, we're all working together on this. And the, and the more that we did this and the more that we were able to provide the information, you know, to the members and to the entire club community, they were reaching back out to us and saying, you know, we're super appreciative of this, you know, because we just didn't know where else to turn or where else to go. Um, and so, um, from that beginning, we we you know felt like we were the leaders in providing this information you know out to the uh, to the industry and uh, and it sort of then just fed on itself. Um, you know, the more that we were doing, the more people came to us and they wanted to be part of it and they wanted to again help the industry and uh, you know so that we can all get through this. So for that section of your or that portion, excuse me, of your national club association members whose clubs include golf as an offering to their members. Uh, what has the tone of the conversation been like in recent weeks? Have you noticed a, a change at all? As you and I have this conversation, for example, uh, we are just several days into uh, golf now being able to be played in all 50 states in the United States. Uh, so is the tenor of the conversation of, uh, of your members who work in golf facilities uh, changed at all? Um, it has, um, you know, in, in, one of the things that has been fortunate for the most part, you know, clubs have still been able to offer golf. Uh, so that has been good uh, for those ones that couldn't, um, you know, especially some of these recent states, the Massachusetts and the Maryland's and, and some of the others that have uh, just recently come online. Um, you know, they, they seem uh, are, are much more optimistic uh, and they see, um, you know, ability to, to provide services, you know, at least some point or some, um, some level of services, you know, to their members. Uh, which is good. It's good for the club. It's good for the community. It's good for the members, and it's good for the staff that are there. Um, you know, and I'm sure you've seen as well the the numbers of of rounds played. You know, uh, year over year is just tremendous right now because people have it's you know they haven't been able to play for you know the last couple of months, and and now they're getting out there and, and they're playing, and so uh, that's been a very positive sign. You know, for clubs and clubs have also done a a very good job in terms of providing, um, you know, food, uh, to-go food, you know, to their members. Also, at the very beginning, clubs were providing pantry services uh, for some of the staples that, uh, you know, people may not have been able to get through their, their grocery stores, some other places. The clubs have been able to engage their members, um, you know, in a couple different ways, uh, you know, on that. And so uh, we, we have seen that, that clubs, you know, start to get into this flow of how they're operating now um, and knowing that, you know, as we continue to move forward, more and more things will be able to, to open 
and they'll be able to do more and more things at their clubs to serve their members. And Henry, when I speak with, with golf course architects and, and hear about the conversations that they're having with clients, uh, one of the things that comes up with regularity, especially these days, is the topic of master planning. And that's whether creating new plans or in some cases simply implementing plans that have already been in place with the facility for some time. Uh, is working with an architect something that you recommend with your National Club Association members and something that you see them doing more of? Uh, absolutely. And I do, um, you know, and I know some clubs who, uh, or at least at one club a couple weeks ago who had just finalized uh, a deal with an architect for a renovation that they're going to look to be doing next year. So clubs are continuing to look at the long range plan, um, you know, for especially their golf course. And that's one of the things that we've been stressing uh, as an association is for clubs not to make uh, decisions right now based on what's happening right now, uh, because it very well could come back to hurt them long term. So a lot of the um, advice that we've been given to or that we were giving to clubs and that came out in the very first uh, couple of e uh, webinars that we did was, you know, just to sort of take a step back, look at everything, figure out, you know, what you can do and what you do need to do uh, in the immediate in terms of, you know, shutting the club down or, or you know, potentially with any of the employees. Uh, but don't make any drastic changes such as, uh, okay, well, we're just going to drop membership dues or we're going to drop initiation fees or we're going to stop uh, any type of work that might be currently going on, um, you know, at the club or we're going to stop any potential, you know, future work that might be going on at the club. So we've encouraged them to still continue to look at those long range plans, uh, those plans with, you know, um, you know, their uh, designers, their architects, um, you know, with, um, you know, the consultants that they might be using. Uh, whether for the golf course or, or for the clubhouse. And uh, it's very much a, uh, a strategic part of, you know, getting through this and then what's going to be on, you know, on the other side of this. We had an opportunity uh, here on ASUCA Insights to talk with uh, Henry Delosier uh, recently uh, from GGA Partners. And we talked about uh, the impact of facilities that uh, survived and went through the economic recession of 2008-2009 and that those that made it through those challenging times uh, found themselves being educated, whether they intended to or not, on the, uh, on the idea of how you move forward, uh, how you plan, how you survive uh, challenges and troubling times. Have you heard reference to, to that uh, example within, within your membership and, and the idea of folks that uh, learned from that time that they are trying to at least uh, apply some of those things as we go through this? Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, and that's the old saying, you know, those who don't, uh, you know, learn from history are, are deemed to repeat it. Uh, and that's what we're trying to say is, you know, what did you learn, you know, from that, uh, that downturn in, in 08 and 09? One of the things that we saw as an industry, clubs were dropping their dues, dropping initiation fees, and it took them a long time to recover from that. Um, and some of them still have not. Uh, and so that's one of the things that, that we've learned from that is that's why we're saying, you know, stay, stay steady. Um, you know, as, as a club. Uh, but then also we are telling clubs that this is a great opportunity, you know, <laughs> while, you know, it might not look like it right now um, as we're going through this. And, you know, and a lot of us, um, you know, are trying to, to, to deal with, you know, a lot of very tough things such as, you know, employees and, and furloughs. But, you know, how can a club see this as an opportunity? You know, what can they do you know, during the time that members aren't physically allowed to come to the club to engage their members, you know, can they do that through virtual um, events? Can they do that through different types of communications? Um, you know, I know, you know, the city club here in, in Washington, where I belong, 
is doing a virtual event with a magician uh, next week. And so uh, wife and kids are going to be on that. And it's something um, that is, uh, that's just one of the many things that they're doing, but that's a way to, to be able to engage the members, you know, during this time. Um, and so our club's going to learn that, okay, there's going to be potential ways to engage the members, you know, even once everybody's back at the club that they weren't thinking about or doing beforehand, but they still might want to continue to do. Uh, but then also, you know, when clubs, uh, when people come back to the clubs, um, you know, how is the club going to change? Obviously, it's going to change in terms of, um, you know, sanitation and, and distancing and, and, and serving. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of specifics based on their, their locality and, and, and what their uh, requirements will be. But more so, you know, what are those clubs doing to you know, really be able to engage their members, you know, on their needs and wants that are going to be dramatically different than what they were you know, two or three months ago? Um, you, know, you know, things such as, you know, our club's going to offer maybe uh, remote workstations for people who, you know, still aren't able to go back into their office uh, and don't want to work from home because they've been doing that so long. You know, would they be able to do that at the club? Um, are the clubs going to be able to provide some type of, um, you know, technology solutions like live streaming potentially for, uh, you know, those special events or, um, you know, whether it's club sponsored or individual sponsored? that's happening at a club, but there might be a limit on the number of attendees that are there. Maybe if you can only have 50 people there, you know, could they live stream that event so that other people, um, you know, could attend, um, you know, and then how is the club going to change in terms of, um, you know, the governance, uh, you know, what's the board going to be looking at, you know, that uh, strategic plan is probably going to need to be uh, revised. Uh, you know, what are the roles of the committees going to be and how do they all communicate and, and work, you know, during this, uh, this time. Um, so those are the things that uh, that we're seeing and, and we're hoping that people will learn from, you know, from what happened, um, you know, 10, 12 years ago uh, to learn from that. But then also, OK, what can we learn from immediately what's happening right now? Um, you know, and I think one of the big things that we're, we're talking to, you know, the clubs and, and the entire industry is, too, is, you know, are you prepared in case something comes back in the fall well, with regard to, to COVID-19? Um, you know, if there's, you know, because we're hearing stories about that. Thankfully, we're also hearing stories that you know, there might be a um, uh, um, uh, immunity uh, or, uh, uh, you know, drugs, you know, by that time in, in September, maybe. Uh, but what if there's not? And what if something comes back? You know, how would the club react? You know, would they shut down differently? Um, you would hope so. You would hope they would have plans in place, you know, for dealing with something like this. Um, you know, and how would they uh, serve the members and that type of thing. So we hope that that doesn't happen, but we hope that clubs are, um, you know, planning for it just in case. If nothing else, I think we're all going to be uh, equipped to teach a master's course in coronavirus when this is all behind us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. My guest has been the president and CEO of the National Club Association, Henry Walmeyer. Henry, thank you so much for your time. Well, you're very welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me and uh, look for great things coming out of the industry in the not too distant future. That concludes this episode of ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. You can find past episodes of the podcast at ASGCA.org, and you can download the podcast through Apple Podcasts and through Spotify. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we visit with and learn from golf's industry leaders. Until next time, so long.